All right, good morning. Are you glad to be in the house of the Lord? I know I am. I'll tell you what. It's good to be back in the land of the living um, after my little dance with Corina. And if you read my blog, you know exactly what I'm talking about. I told uh, Candy Parrot, I said, I'm going to get a t-shirt that says, got the shot, had the virus, enough already. You know, enough already. But anyway, it's so good to be back with you in the house of the Lord. Gene and I came off quarantine yesterday, and uh, I have never been so glad to go to Hobby Lobby in my life. It was so good to get off the property. Um, and like I say, and, and to be out amongst the living, it really, really is. Hey, so here we are. Like, if I did my math right, I was counting on the way to church. This is like week number 12 of our series, um, The Fruit of the Spirit. And the summer's about gone. I mean, you know, next week we're looking at the 29th of August. Kids are back in school. And it's just been an incredible journey on this summer. It's very enlightening for me, uh, very challenging for me, and a privilege um, to teach this portion of the Word of God. And today we're down to the next last one. Next week is the dreaded self-control. All right? But this week we have gentle giants. We have gentleness. And this is a... This is a different one, especially for guys. You know, if, if we're guys, guys, we don't, we want to be masculine. We want to be aggressive. We want to be fierce. And when we think about gentleness, it just doesn't work and doesn't fit. But I hope today at the end of the service, you're going to see, oh, wait a minute. Uh, this is something much more than I thought. Now, when I came up with the idea of the gentle giants, I thought, well, okay, what would, what would come up if I looked on the internet? And I'll tell you what I found when I looked on the internet uh, in just a minute, but I'll tell you what I thought I would get, okay? I learned a long time ago, by the way. I think it was last year, maybe, maybe year before last, I was going to look up pride, you know, looking for things like arrogance. It, trust me, I didn't get anything to do with arrogance. I got something to do with something else entirely. But anyway, and so I, I decided I would look, and so I thought I would find elephants. Now, again, I'm a big fan of nature shows. I love the Disney show Elephants. It's just wonderful. And I watched that, and I learned a lot about elephants, and they indeed are gentle giants. I mean, they, um, they are, let's see, tw- are you ready for this? Are you ready? Imagine this stage is like 40 feet wide, I think. Imagine tail to trunk, an African bush elephant is 24 feet long. That, yeah, yeah. And in my house, I happen to have either nine and a half or ten foot ceilings. Okay, so kind of get that in your brain. Yours are probably, if you live in a traditional house, are like eight feet. An African bush elephant is 13 feet tall. Imagine that. So, so in my house, you would go 10 feet and then three more feet. You go up into the second story of the house, okay? Um, and, and they weigh 11 tons. They would make a great Baptist. 11 tons. That's a lot. That's a lot of elephant, no matter how you lay it down. But if you've watched ever a show about elephants, they really are gentle giants. I mean, now don't mess with the kids and don't mess with the family. But beyond that, they're just very gentle. They're very family-oriented. Um, I love one of the scenes from the movie that I talked about, the, the one Disney put out, is they were going for water, and they were going like hundreds of miles, and they came to this this oasis kind of like but it was dried up and and there by the oasis were these elephant bones and um they've been about a year ago they died they were bleached white and each elephant went by and with their trunk they they smelled the bones in fact the mother elephant of one of the babies took the baby's trunk and 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 let her smell the bones because family is so important they generally they genuinely are gentle giants well that's not what i found so then i said well I said, probably, I would think, okay, I know whales are really big, 
and they're very gentle. Uh, if you're not now, they eat what they call krill. Okay, so if you're a krill, which is a really tiny shrimp-like creature, you're in deep weeds. Okay, but if you're not a krill, elf or excuse me, whales are very, very gentle giants, and they're huge. Now, elephants are the largest mammal on on land. Okay, but whales are the largest mammals on the sea, actually on the whole planet. Okay, particularly the blue whale. And the blue whale happens to be, are you ready for this? 400,000 pounds. That's a lot of blubber. Okay, the, that's about 33 of the largest African bush elephants, this one whale. 98 feet long. 98 feet long. The heart is the size of a small car. And I said, wow, that's a giant for sure. And again, unless you happen to be Creole, they're real gentle. You know, don't forget Moby Dick, that story. They're really gentle giants. But that's not what I found either. I, I thought I might find, I thought I might find something about the jolly green giant. You know, from the valley of the jolly, oh, oh, oh. Green giant, no, didn't find that either. You know, I thought I might find Todd Church. You know, Stephanie told me a long time, you know, Todd's a, a really large man and and you know I said you know he she said one time you know Todd's such a gentle giant I didn't find Todd either so by now I'm going what would I find when I looked up gentle giants well what I found was get ready dog food yeah yeah I mean number one right there on top number one Apparently, there's a brand of dog food called Gentle Giant Dog Food. And it must be a big deal because the first eight or ten references are all for this dog food. You know, I was totally surprised. I said, what? What's up with the dog food when you're talking about Gentle Giants? And I said, wait, 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 wait. That really works well because, you know, when we think about Gentle Giants, what comes to your brain when you think about being gentle and you think about doormat, you think about we, you think about, you know, soft hands and a guy, you know, not aggressive, you know, passive and all that. And we think all of that. And yet, here's the deal. Probably, first off, gentle giants. We're going to look at three giant truths today. That's our really what our gentle giants is. But, you know, gentleness is a really strong uh, Christian trait. You know, have you ever heard the saying before that someone um, doesn't is never taller than when they're kneeling on their knees? Have you heard that? No man is never taller than when he kneels on his knees, or or a woman. Well, I really think this is probably true too. That our we are never stronger than we choose to be gentle. Now, keep in mind this is all in the context and scope of that we are Jesus followers. So, so let's look at two words that really go hand in hand, and we can almost use them interchangeably, okay? And that is gentleness and weakness. Gentleness and weakness. In fact, I said it this way. They're like first cousins walking hand in hand. They're synonyms. I mean, almost the exact same thing. But Jerry Bridges, and he's a Bible teacher, um, came out with a, with a great thing. It's a long quote, but it's full of truth, and I want to kind of teach through that truth. Here's what, what he said, you know. Gentleness, okay, is an active trait. Now, we're coming back, coming back through this. Gentleness is an active trait describing the manner in which we should treat others. Meekness, on the other hand, is a passive trait describing the proper Christian response when others mistreat us. So we have gentleness, which is active, and we have meekness, which is passive. Let's kind of, let's kind of go through that, okay? What is an active trait? Well, if you're taking notes, you can write down active is intentional. 
Active is intentional. Now, I still, now I haven't the last 10 days, but generally speaking, I still walk a couple, three times a week, a couple of miles. And I really like that. And I found out it's a good time for me to pray um, because I'm like aimless. I mean, it's like, you know, you know how, ladies, you know how it is when you walk into the living room and your husband is staring at the TV screen and you know he's not home. You know, he's like in his nothing box. And you say, hey, honey, and no response whatsoever. You look at the screen, you look at his eyes, and you know he's not there. Well, that's kind of how it is when I walk. And so it's a good time for me to pray because it, some, it puts something in my brain. So I walk kind of aimlessly. I'll go down the bike track, uh, you know, and walk. And it's just kind of an aimless thing for me, okay? Um, that, that, is not, that is not active, okay? But you take someone who's running a race, you take someone who is you know, running a marathon, they are intentional, even though, again, they have lots of time for their mind to wander, they're intentional on one thing, finishing the goal, finishing the goal. It's an active, intentional thing. Well, Jerry Bridges is saying that gentleness, then, is that active trait. It's intentional. What are we intentional about? We're intentional in the, by the manner in which we treat others. In other words, because we're Jesus followers, we're intentional in being kind, intentional in being loving, intentional in being caring when we talk about and engage with uh, other people. But then we have this meekness, and it's a passive trait. And this is an easy one. This is an easy one. Passive is like this, breathing. Did you know that the average adult breathes 12 to 20 times a minute? And you never think about it. I mean... You know, right now you're sitting there listening to the sermon and you're breathing in and out. I'm up here talking, trying to breathe in and out. And last night while we were asleep, we were breathing in and out. We don't even have to think about it. We just do it, Tracy. We just do it. And, it's, and again, it's passive. It takes no intentional effort on our own. And the reason why is it's just ingrained in us. If we want to live, we've got to breathe. Okay, so, so Jerry Bridges comes along and says, well, meekness is kind of like that. It's a passive trait. Now watch, watch, watch. It describes the proper Christian response when others mistreat us. In other words, it's in our DNA that we should respond in a gentle, a meek way when people mistreat us. You didn't know that, did you? See, this is really important because let's just be honest, okay? If you walk up and slap me, my first response will probably not be to be meek. My, my built-in response might be to swing back, okay? That would not be appropriate. No, as Jesus followers, then our proper response is something that's ingrained in us and be the exact same thing that Jesus did. You might say this. You might say gentleness, okay, is Jesus doing life. Think about all the times he encountered people. You know, we got a sermon series coming up, Graves in the Gardens. We got a couple of great uh, scriptures about how Jesus responded so gently um, with people. So, so gentleness is how Jesus did life. But listen carefully. Meekness is how Jesus did the cross. See, it's one thing to say Jesus was gentle with people, but it's another thing to say he was meek on the cross. You remember, don't you? I mean, he's up there, and we're going to talk about this in just a moment um, because it's one of our scriptures. But, but here he is on the cross. They've, they've, they've nailed his hands and feet to the cross. They've slid his side open. They've pushed down a crown of thorns upon his head. And in the midst of all that, it was in his DNA. I mean, he didn't, like, he didn't have to think about it. I mean, I would be like screaming out. You know what he said? Father, forgive them. They know not what they do. Father, forgive them. They don't know what to do. It was just normal. It was natural for him. It was a natural, passive response. 
Okay? And here's the deal. You know, for us, because we probably can't identify with the Roman cross, but you know, gentleness is the good Samaritan. He intentionally did the right thing. He's walking along. Here's this guy, his enemy, a Jew, been beat up, been left for dead, and he intentionally stops and ministers to him. He, he pours you know, wine in. He bounds up the wounds, puts him on his donkey, takes him to the hotel, and then pays the bill. It's just amazing. It was intentional. It was the Good Samaritan. But for meekness, it's that, it's that bothersome teaching that I just referenced. When I said, if you slap me, if I'm not careful, my first response, Joe, would be to slap you back. Okay? But the Jesus gentleness, the Jesus thing to do, would not be to strike back. In fact, Jesus said, when someone slaps you on the cheek, you turn the other cheek. Turn the other cheek. That's meekness. So, so you see, these are, not, these are not just easy things. These are like difficult things. These are things that really take a lot of man or womanhood to do them. It's amazing. Um, so our teaching point is this. You know, we are, we are to be gentle, meek, if you will. Because, again, they're almost synonyms. We are to be gentle, meek, and, and that means yielded, teachable, and responsive, first of all, in our relationship to God, and secondly, gentle, humble, gentle, respectful, in our relationships with people, okay? So first off, we are to be, we are to be yielded, teachable, and responsive, gentle and meek, toward our Savior. We're to have a gentleness toward God. And it looks like, it looks like yielded, teachable, and responsive. And, and this, like... Happened, I think, this morning. It may have been late last night. I was still studying, and I came upon, you know, in my brain, Matthew sixteen twenty four, and you know, that's where Jesus. You know the scripture. You know, Jesus is saying, "Hey, hey, you know, if you want to come after me, if you want to be one of my followers, okay, you've, you've got to do a couple of things. You've got to deny yourself. You've got to take up your cross, and you've got to follow me." And I saw. It, I said, "Wait, wait, wait, wait. That's what I wrote, and I didn't even mean to write it." If I'm, going to be, if I'm going to be gentle toward God, I've got to be yielded. In other words, I've got to deny myself. I've got to die to self. There's got to be a funeral and a grave. I've got, Dwayne's got to die, okay? So I've got to be yielded. I've got to be teachable. I've got to be willing to take up that cross. And believe me, when you take up a cross, you learn things. You're teachable when you're carrying a cross around. And, and responsive, follow me. Follow me. So, so this gentleness... First of all, we need to be gentle. We need to be meek toward God. But secondly, we've got to be humble and gentle and respectful to our, in our relationships with other people. We've got to treat people. Listen, we've got to treat people like Jesus treats people. Husbands, we've got to treat our wives like God would treat our wives. Ladies, you've got to treat your husband. Parents, we've got to treat our kids. Okay, we've got to treat them like, like Jesus would treat them. We've got to treat them. And to become, this is, this is cool, to, to become this kind of person, God must tame us and train us. And if I was taking notes, I would write that down. You know, if we're going to be this gentle person that's more already more difficult than we ever thought, okay, then, then we've got to allow God to tame us and to train us. We call that sanctification. 
Words. You, remember, you remember when you trusted Jesus as Savior and you were born again and that was an instantaneous thing? But then you started this process that goes on for like until you die, okay? And that's what the Bible calls sanctification. And it's the process where, where God makes us more and more like Jesus. You kind of see it in John chapter 15, verse number 2, you know, where, where Jesus is talking about, you know, hey, my dad is the, is the vine dresser and you're the vine he wants to do something. He wants to prune you, prune you, so that you will bear more fruit. Well, that's kind of what this guy said here. That's, that's what I said here. To become this kind of person, we've got to allow God to prune us. We've got to allow God to, to knock off whatever doesn't look like Jesus. We've got to be willing for him to work and make us more and more like Christ. Now, probably, probably 35 years ago, um, I used to go to First Baptist Church at Jacksonville for pastor's conference, and there's a guy there named Warren Wiersbe, and he became one of my favorite um, writers and commentary guys uh, that I heard. And he had just, again, he was very gentle and meek himself. That's just his demeanor. And, and he said something that was very important. Here's what he said. Meekness, now this, guys, listen to this. You need this, because I know we struggle with this, because we think meekness is weakness, and men don't want to be seen as weak, okay? So meekness isn't weakness, it's power under control. That is so good. Again, if I was taking notes, I would be sure if I was in the worship event, I would write that down, okay? Weakness, meekness isn't weakness, it's power under control. Let me give you an example. Those of you who ride horses, you know, you can tell I've done a little bit of research. You know, I like looking up numbers and facts sometimes. And horses can be anywhere between, a full-grown horse, somewhere between 800 and 2,000 pounds, Okay, and no matter how big we are, okay, we're not 800 pounds or 2,000 pounds. Okay, but people all the time will get on this large animal and they will put their foot up in the stirrup and swing their leg over and they will ride off into the sunset. All right. Now, question: How is it that a person that weighs anywhere between, let's say, 90 pounds and 250 pounds? How is it that that man can fearlessly get, or that woman can get on fearlessly on this animal called a horse? And the reason why is the horse has been broken. The horse has been broken. Okay. Now, the horse obviously is bigger, obviously is stronger, could obviously throw the rider off, and could kick and maim the rider. But he doesn't because he's been broken. My question is this. Is the horse any less powerful, any less strong, because it's been broken and being allowed to ride? Did it lose any of its power? Did it really lose its ability to do those things? And the answer is no. It's simply that this, this power that the horse has is under control. And what God wants us to do in our lives, well, yes, well, I have the power to hurt. Yes, I have the power to maim. My tongue has that power, okay? Um, I, I can ruin reputations. I can ruin character. I can ruin all those things. Can we do it? Yeah, sure. Can, can we hurt our own character? Yes, we do. But we choose to put that power under control, and that's what meekness is. We need to learn to allow that to come under the control of God. Now, what we want to do today is we want to spend the rest of our time, and we want to look at these three gentle giants. And again, they're not people. They are principles and teachings from the Word of God that have Jesus Christ in the middle. Now, if you've got the worship event, you know there's a fourth one that we won't get to today that involved us. But these all involve us because, again, we are called to be like 
Christ. I was reading Warren, uh, Rick Warren this week um, in an email, and something he said really just resonated with me. And I just one of those things I liked. And here's what he said. He said, in most fairy tales, in most fairy tales, the, um, the king, okay, people live and die for the king. It's all about protecting the king. He said, except for one story. And that's the gospel. See, the gospel, in the gospel, the king dies for his people. And then does everything to protect them. And fairy tales and the world and fairy tales, those stories, everyone dies for the king and protects the king. But not so in the gospel. In the gospel story, the king dies for us and then lives again to protect us in all things. I love that. I love that. And what we have in Isaiah 53, um, verse number 5, um, we've got this beautiful picture of, of Jesus. Now, keep in mind, Isaiah 53 was written between five and 700 years, five and 700 years before Jesus Christ. And yet we have this incredible, accurate portrayal of what Jesus Christ did for us. I encourage you, I'm going to snag two verses. I want you to go back maybe this afternoon or sometime this week and read Isaiah 53. Again, keep it in mind how long it was written before Jesus Christ came. And so we had this picture then of this gentle sacrifice. This gentle sacrifice. Here's what it says. In Isaiah 53, 5, it says, But he was pierced. He was pierced. Now, we talked about this earlier, but unfortunately, I think sometimes this loses its power. And I won't spend a lot of time here, but I just want you to, once again, when it says he was pierced, you know, they took nails and drove them through really the wrist, really the wrist of Jesus Christ, and, and then through his feet. And then, then, of course, they slit his side open. In most situations, they would break bones. It was prophesied that Jesus' bones would not be broken, and so rather they pierced his side. And then, then you did have the crown of thorns where they pierced his forehead. So it says, you know, he was pierced. Well, why was he pierced, Dwayne? Now, don't miss this. Don't miss this. Because of our rebellion. Because we have rebelled against God. Jesus Christ allowed himself to be pierced on a Roman cross. Isn't that powerful? Isn't that wonderful? Now, I'm going to make it more powerful in here in just a minute, so hang with me, because I know that's old hat. I know that's old hat. And then he goes on and says this, he was crushed because of our iniquities. And again, the clear word picture here in the original language is that of a fruit, a grape, or an olive being put into a press. And the large stone would roll over that and literally crush the fruit. And out of the fruit would come the oil, the olive oil, or the grape juice. And it says, he was crushed. Well, why was he crushed, Dwayne? He was crushed for our iniquities. Our sin. Not, not, not for his sin. For our sins. And then the punishment for his peace, it was on him. Um, you remember just a few weeks ago... We talked about the fact that, that we could have peace with God. In other words, we were at war with God, okay? And then when Jesus died and through grace, God made it possible that the war could be over, that we, he could become our father, we could become his children, and we could have peace with God. And then we talked about how that as we journeyed in life, we have peace of God, okay? We had both of those. Well, this is what he's talking about here, this punishment for our peace. In other words, he paid the price that we could have peace with God. Now, you really don't appreciate that right now, maybe. But one day, when you're standing there 
as a witness at the great white throne judgment. And you see all the people who have rejected Jesus Christ cast into a burning fire to burn forever and ever. And you're not one of them because Jesus paid the price. You're really going to appreciate this. Romans 6.23 says, you know, the payment for sin was death. But the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. That's just amazing. And and 2 Corinthians 5.21, you know, therefore he who knew no sin, had no sin, knew no sin, became sin that we might become the righteousness of God. And I just find that incredible. I'm just overwhelmed that holy God would become sin for me that I could have eternal life and I could have his righteousness. And then finally he says, well, look, we are healed by his wounds. We were broken and he, he fixed us. He, he made us whole. Um, we were we rescue. We need redeeming. We need redemption. And he did all of that. We are healed by his wounds. Isn't that incredible? Let me ask you a question. Does that ever get old for you? I don't know how it can. I don't know how it can. When you really start understanding all that he did for us, it's just amazing. It's just wonderful. Now, now here's the teaching point that I hope will drive this home, okay? Um, it's, it's not only the passion of his sacrifice, okay? It's not only the passion of, you know, we celebrate Passion Week around Easter. It's not only the passion of his sacrifice that should move us, but the motivation, the motivation, which was love, which was love. It wasn't like it was a game, you know, it wasn't a game plan that went bad. It was like God lost control, that God wasn't watching, um, that the Romans were bigger and badder than, than God, or the Jewish leaders were bigger and badder than God. No, no, no. No, it was all about this motivation. Jesus, listen, look, look, look. Jesus went to the cross because he loved you. That's the motivation. That should move you. I mean, the fact that, that God became flesh, lived on this earth, lived a sinless life so he could willingly die for your sin because he loved you? Hello? That's incredible. That's incredible. The motivation is love. And the method, willing and gentle, like a lamb going to the slaughter. Willing and gentle. There's our word, gentle. Not... not not being drugged like a criminal to execution, but willingly, like a lamb being led to the slaughter. Verse number 7 of Isaiah 53. And again, I snagged these two verses. Look what it says. He was oppressed and afflicted. Now listen. Yet he did not open his mouth. No, no, please, no, no. I don't want to do this. No, no. He opened not his mouth. And here's those words I just quoted. Like a lamb led to the slaughter, and like a sheep silent before her shears, he did not open his mouth. Now, here's, let me give you the power of this, Terry. Here's the power of this. It's not that he couldn't do something about it. He chose not to. It's not that, it's not that he couldn't do something about it. He ch- and that's the gentleness. That's the gentle giant. It's not that he had no choice. He chose to die. He chose to die. Um, you remember the garden? Reading about it. They're there, and here comes Judas with the temple guard. And, you know, they're there to arrest Jesus. And so Peter whips out his trusty sword and, like, lops off Marcus's ear, the high servant's ear. Uh, like somebody said once, he probably wasn't aiming for the ear. Okay? Just wasn't a very good shot. 
He lobs off this ear, and, and then Jesus, like, oh, Peter, calm down, back off. Power down, Peter, power down. And apparently Jesus, like, picks up the ear and sticks it back on Marcus's head. I mean, that's what it says he did, okay? And then Jesus didn't say exactly like this, but he said, Peter, don't you understand that this has to happen? This happened? And here's when he said it. He said, don't you know that I could call right now and my father would send 12 legions of angels. Oh, about 12,000. All, all I have to do right now, Peter, is cry out. And 12,000, somebody say amen. 12,000 angels would show up and rescue me. But he didn't choose that. He rather chose meekness and gentleness. And that's what he's calling us to. The bigger man, the, man, the bigger man is not the man who calls down 12,000 angels. The bigger man is the one who went, woo, come on now, who willingly dies on the cross. The bigger man, some of y'all say, well, Jesus was meek and mild. Honey, any man who will go to a cross and bleed and die for me like that is the man. He's the man. He's the man. Men, don't be afraid to follow Jesus. He's more men than we'll ever be. He is worthy of following the gentle sacrifice. And then we have the gentle shepherd. The gentle shepherd. Um, this is written, the context, this is also found in Isaiah 40, verse number 11. And the context is the nation of Israel is still in captivity. They, they, they've been exported to Babylon. They're still there. It seems hopeless. Maybe like today. Maybe like Afghanistan. Maybe about the small, like the small town of Waverly where Rod and Amy now live. It had a flash flood and 10 or 12, 14 people also lives like that. Maybe it's you who have a loved one who's fighting COVID. It's all kind of things. You know, that's the setup. And when it gets dark like that, we have a tendency sometimes to think that maybe God's not going to show up. So God sends Isaiah to, to give a message of hope to Israel. They were in Babylon for a reason. They had sinned. But God just wanted to let them know that he hadn't forgot them. Here's what he said. He will feed his flock like a shepherd. I know it's, you know, God would say, I know, Israel, I know it doesn't seem that way right now, but I need to know something. I haven't forgot you. The rescuer is coming, and he will feed his flock like a shepherd. And God wants you to know right now, hey, it may seem like that maybe maybe God's forgot you. Maybe God's not in control. Maybe, maybe this thing's spinning out of control. He would say, no, no, no. Don't lose hope. Because the gentle shepherd's coming, and he's going to feed his flock like a shepherd. The Lord, the psalmist said, the Lord's my shepherd. I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He restores my soul. He restores my soul. He brings refreshment to my soul. He will feed his flock like a shepherd. He will carry the lambs in his arms, holding them close to his heart. I know it seems like I'm not there, God would say, but don't worry, I haven't forgot you because this, this Messiah, this rescuer, is going to carry the lambs in his arms, 
hold them close to his heart. Do you remember in Luke chapter 15 when Jesus was telling some stories and he told the story about the, about the lamb? Before he told the story about the son, before he told the story about the coin, he told the story about the lamb. Do you remember that? You remember he said, how many of you, if you had a hundred sheep, and let's say one of them, just one of them, just one of them, what about one of them who wandered away? Wouldn't you leave the 99 in the safety of the pen? And wouldn't you go and search for that one? How long? Until you find him? And wouldn't you then put the, that lamb, that lost lamb, on the safety of your shoulders and carry that lamb back? And, and, wouldn't you, and wouldn't you tell your friends, hey, let's celebrate because I found my lamb? God says, don't lose hope because just like that, he will carry the lambs closer in his arms, holding them close to his heart. And then he said, he will gently lead the mother sheep with their young. What a, what a beautiful picture of this gentle Shepherd. Some of you who are as old as me will probably appreciate this. Those of you particularly who like Bill and Gloria Gaither, they wrote a song way back when called Gentle Shepherd. And the words go like this. Gentle Shepherd, come and lead us, for we need you to help us find our way. Gentle Shepherd, come and feed us, for we need your strength from day to day. He would go on, and she went on and said this, um, There's no other we can turn to who can help us face another day. Oh, gentle shepherd, come and lead us, for we need your help to find the way. The gentle shepherd. He's there. He will be there. And, and just like he is gentle, he calls us to be gentle for those around us. And then finally, there's that gentle Savior, that gentle Savior. This is the one so many people know. It's Matthew chapter 11, verse number 28, 29, and 30. You know, and, and we know, you know, come to me, Jesus says. Come to me. You know, he's, he's like holding his arms open. He says, come to me all. How many? Now, don't miss that. Listen, don't miss that. Because, see, there is someone in this room today, or maybe listen on Facebook, and you say, you know what? I think probably because I'm not a very good person, that if I called on God, He wouldn't come. He wouldn't come. Uh, maybe, you know, you're worried, you know, you're, the police, they wouldn't come. The fire department, they wouldn't come. Uh, maybe, maybe some people say, well, my pastor wouldn't come because I'm not one of his favorites. How sad. Now, Jesus says, come to me, all who labor. All who struggle, all who strive, all who are stressed, come to me. And if you're heavy laden, if you've got a burden today, guess what he says? I'll give you rest. I'll give you rest. This gentle Savior invites you to come into his presence. And, and all that stuff that worries us and confuses us, and we fill all those burdens, he goes, I'll, I'll give you rest. You know, Spurgeon said something one time. That, I mean, again, this is a, just a great quote. He said, you know, throw yourself. Throw, you know, get this imagery. Throw yourself upon God's faithfulness as you do upon your bed. Throw yourself 
Have you ever been so weary and not just throw yourself on the bed? You know, how many times? I have. Have you ever been so tired you just go to bed with your clothes on? You ever had that? Just so tired? You know, Judy and I, several years ago, bought a mattress from Mike Maynard, as a matter of fact, at the appliance store. And it's one of those new things called a memory foam mattress. And I went, he said, now listen, I'm going to tell you right now, it'll take you just a little while to get used to it, but in just a couple of weeks, you're going to love this mattress. Well, he was right. We had a love affair. And it's, it's not uncommon. It's not uncommon. Judy and I will go to bed, we'll do the spiritual thing and pray. We'll have the lights out. I'll be laying there, and I'll hear this little voice from the other side of the memory foam mattress. I love our mattress. I know it seems strange, but she'll ask her, and she'll tell you that. We love our mattress. When we go on vacation, and we go to somebody's house, or we go to a hotel, or you know, a condo or something, we go back, and both of us will say, this feels so good. Well, Spurgeon's simply saying this. In that same way, with that imagery in your head. Now, if you've got a lumpy mattress, you don't identify with this at all. But, but those of you who got a good mattress, you throw yourself upon God's faithfulness as you do upon your bed, bringing all your weariness to his dear rest. Listen, I know we're scared. I know we, as a matter of fact, we're mad. I know we're frustrated. All this stuff that's going on that just doesn't make sense. Throw yourself upon God's faithfulness. Our future does not depend on the government or on medicine or anything else. Our, our future depends on God. Amen. Amen? Throw yourself upon God's faithfulness as you do upon your bed, bringing all your weariness to his dear rest. And then finally, in Matthew 29, 30, it says, Take my yoke upon you. Take my yoke. You, I, we don't have time you know, for the story. But, but you know, it, it's, he's talking about a yoke, you know, there would be a place for the big oxen and a place for the young oxen, and the big oxen would teach the young oxen, oxen what to do. So he says, take my yoke upon you. Learn from me. Learn from me. For I am gentle and lowly in heart. Then what? Did you ever see this before? I am gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your soul. And what Jesus is saying is that, listen, when you are what I am, when you are, Jesus says, what I am, you will find rest for your souls. And what is Jesus? Gentle and lowly. See, he had the power to wipe out the old mean Romans. He had power to overthrow the, the church, the Jewish church. Okay? But he said, no, 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 I'm gentle and lowly. And when you, when you discover that and when you love that, when you become what I am, you'll find rest for your souls because my yoke is easy and my burden is light. See, gentleness is not what's thought. Gentleness is not weakness. It's power under control. Meekness is not weakness. It's power under control. And when we learn to embrace and experience this gentleness, we find a power that we didn't know we had. Ooh, you know what just popped in my brain? You know, have you ever, like, like gone shopping before? You know, and have you ever gone shopping before and you see something? Oh, you know I like TVs. You realize I haven't bought a TV in, like, seven years? Holy 
Judy's still like in shock. Okay? But let's say, for instance, I'm out there, and boy, I come across... Actually, it did happen yesterday on my Freedom Day. Um, they had... Brent, they had an 85-inch television. That's bigger than my living room. Okay? 85-inch TV. And I saw that thing. And it was only like, like $1,600 or $1,700, which is a lot of money, but for 85 inches, my goodness. And I looked at it, and I kept walking. Now... It's one way to go shopping when you go shopping and you see something you want and you can't buy it. You ain't got the money. The credit card's maxed out and the bank account says no. Not to mention your wife. Okay? All of it says no. But have you ever had the joy of going shopping for something and realizing that you could buy it if you wanted to, but you just chose not to? It's a good feeling. You know, circumstances didn't tell me no. The checkbook didn't tell me no. Who didn't even tell me no? Just didn't want to do it. My yoke is easy and my burden is light. There's power in that gentleness. There's power in knowing you could, but you choose not to. Let's do our last teaching point. Jesus did not come. Somebody needs to write this down today. Jesus did not come to burden and weigh us down. It's not why he came. If, you, if what you do with God, if, if whether it's church or whatever, you, you know, what you do with God, if, if it weights you down and burdens you, you got the wrong deal. You may got religion, but you got to check your relationship. Because Jesus didn't come to burden and weigh us down. He came to free us from the burdens of everything that's not grace. The most freeing thing we should know is the grace of God, His gentleness and meekness toward us. The greatest power is His grace, His gentleness, and His meekness toward us. So I want to challenge you today to have the courage to be gentle. Guys, I understand. I understand. I want to challenge you they have the courage to be meek. Because when you look how it played out in Jesus' life, it's anything but weakness. It's power under control. Let's pray together. Father, I just got to tell you, thank you again for allowing me to preach these truths again. Help us, Father. As, as Bill and Gloria Gaither wrote and said, Gentle Shepherd, we need you. Only you can show us the way. When I think about, particularly as a man, it's hard for me to be gentle and meek. It's hard to be gentle and meek. But man or not, it doesn't matter. It's just difficult. But that's why you gave us the Holy Spirit. And that's why one of the fruit of the Spirit is gentleness. So I pray today that if there's someone here or perhaps listening on Facebook that never trusted you, Jesus, when they heard about how you died on the cross for us today and how that that you did it willingly, you, you did it from a gentle heart that loved us so much, may they be moved and drawn by the Holy Spirit to receive your forgiveness today. And then, Father, for all of us who are Jesus followers, help us not to overlook this important fruit. Help help it 
bleed into our, our marriages and our families and our careers and our lives. In a world that's so broken, may the gentleness of Christ be an attractive thing that draws people to you. And Jesus, I pray this in your precious name.